Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks, our heroes have arrived at the opera. Well, the main reason they are here is to have an opportunity to talk with some of the professors of the Neverwinter Academy. They're trying to convince some of them to help with a Yugoloth that they plan to fight. They're also here just to enjoy a relaxing evening at the arts. They're dressed up in custom fancy outfits, have procured drinks and snacks, and as we join our adventure already in progress, they've returned to the box seats that have been provided by Professor Wood to prepare for the performance. There is a knock at the door of the box, and Professor Wood opens the the door, and standing there are two women, a dwarven lady in what what you can tell is a stage costume and then an overcoat like hastily put on over the stage costume and a uh, another woman uh, who seems to be a hairdresser of some sort who is literally in the process of still pinning curls in place this this dwarven woman is the overcoat is two sizes too big for even her although she's she's slender she's got this bright smile on her face um she her her big curly mass of black hair is being pulled back and pinned and put into place and uh, she looks up at professor wood and says you came this is this is great great and she hugs Professor Wood and Professor Wood hugs her back and says, "Oh, you're going. To, oh, you look divine. I'm surprised you're supposed to be on stage momentarily." And the dwarf says, "I don't know how long I'm gonna g- 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 have before after after. So I wanted to s- say hi now." And then she looks at everybody and says, "I'm so I'm sorry. I did not know that you were p- 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 preparing uh, guests or or anything. Hello, hello, hello." You see her, like, stand up a little more formally and straight, and Professor Wood motions to the young lady and says, My dear friends, this is Salusa Jim. She is, she's one of the stars for tonight's performance. Not one of my students, uh, but but certainly one of the, the best in town, and I, I wish I could claim her as one of mine, but uh, sadly her talents all come from other teachers. And this is obviously a joke, that is between the two of them as Salusa like snickers and then says, my friend, I've learned so much from you over the years, but thank you. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for coming to my performance. I'm, I'm excited. We're looking forward to it. We, you, we've been told lots of good things about this show. We are so excited. We do not get out much. Well, then I'm glad that you've been able to come to the, 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 this opera house because it's this is my favorite place to to perform. It's it's been w- wonderful to be in and I think you'll really enjoy Potions and Pride. We've put a lot of work into it. And I should I should I should and the woman behind her has still been pinning her hair says, "Yes, yes, you should. You should go back. <laughs> Finish this. They're going to start the overture and then you're going to be upset because the the your hair is not going to be perfectly in place." And Seleucus says, "I will I won't be upset. It'll be f- fine, fine, fine." Uh, 
it was good to see you. If I have any time afterwards, I would certainly love to s- s- say hi again. Uh, but but yes, we should go. And she hugs Professor Wood and scampers off. The hairdresser's still like frantically behind her with bobby pins. Pleasure to meet you, Travancore calls out. <laughs> she waves as she runs off and heads into a backstage area. Professor Wood closes the door and says, oh, she is... Just the most divine voice. You're going to love her. She's she's playing one of the other leads. Uh, I was hoping that Sebastian would be able to come by as well, but the uniform he has to wear includes, I think, like four layers, and so maybe we'll see him. We'll see him later. We'll see him afterwards. But uh, was there anything else you wanted to do before we before the, the the first act began? I don't know how much time we have left. Did you have any questions? How long's the play been running, or the opera, rather? This is opening night. This is why I had to come. I was so excited. This opera has been around for a while, of course. Um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Potions and Pride. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing I'm not because I'm a foreigner. Has Jonathan the Magimuscular, like, it was playing and maybe he took a date? Can we roll to see if we know it? Before you roll, I want to hear why you would have gone, why, have any of you gone to the opera before? As characters, I'm talking. Oh, uh, not in this country or this continent. Okay. I feel like part of the reason why Jonathan the Magimuscular just almost instantaneously and almost against character decided to buy essentially Cristal uh, at the opera (laughs) I think it, it takes him back to a time when he was much, much, much much more poor, but in in school, and he tried to impress a girl with uh, with going to the opera, and he ended up having to work like like uh, you know breaking down the stage like after the play was over because he did not pay his bar tab. Okay, and so the the actually being able to pay for for the crystal is like a is like a thing for him, like he's a grown-up, but he just paid way too much for fucking Crystal. Uh, so I think I think at one point in school he probably came to came to the opera. I don't know if it was this one though. Okay. Um Carlton, what are you thinking? Uh Carlton has never been to an opera before. He's barely heard of an opera. Like he knows what they are, but like and he knows they are fancy affairs, which is why he went all out, but he's never heard of this particular opera he's just like yeah i've heard of opera okay and bernie how about you well i i mean bernie's parents were actually really wealthy weren't they uh fair fairly wealthy they weren't yeah. like bill gates rich but no they were no, well off. no one is no one should be um <laughs> no one knew. and uh, knew. so i think when bernie was really little and both of her parents will, were still alive they had all these clients and i imagine given their line of work they got free tickets. They got had either clients who went to or were or made costume pieces for an opera. So I would assume that as a very small child, Bernie did go to probably I would assume it's one of those things where like you get to watch your, you know, when you're little and your parents are going out on a date and they're so fucking excited to go somewhere without you. They love you very much, but they're... <laughs> but parents yeah. need to have time. Jack yes. Is like the sh- the sh- yes. Shit real. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I I do remember watching, I mean, my, par- my parents did go to the opera, 
I think everybody has that experience as a child as you're you're sitting maybe like and I remember sitting in my mom and dad's bedroom while they were like getting ready to go out and I was excited because we had a series of just like amazing babysitters who like when my parents went out it was a treat because there were all these cool older girls who were just gonna come over and be like cool kids that were in their teens like oh god when you're when you're in elementary school what's better than a cool teenager letting you have pizza and stay up a little later than you should and eating pizza and like playing super mario brothers oh god it was everything i think Bernie's experience with the opera as a child is probably a lot of that. The opera is special because mom and dad are going because they have a client who's given them tickets or they've bought tickets for themselves because they find they like it. And she probably, when she was getting older, her parents were like, we are going to take you as this special thing. So I think she's been once or twice So she knows how to act. Like, she knows where everything is. She knows what to order. Because she watched her mom and dad so intently do this. Okay. And she was, you know, it's like one of those kids when you're like, oh. Everything is, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you have an experience as a child. And everything is very big. And you're a gnome. So everything is still very big. But I think, yeah. So here's here's what I want. I'm going to have Carlton, unfortunately. No. The three of you, I will let roll performance checks. You're all going to be at disadvantage for various reasons. But give me performance checks at disadvantage and tell me what you get. Okay, well, my first roll was a natural 20. <laughs> but I'm my second roll was a seven. Uh, so 10. 10 for Jonathan. Uh, Travancore? 11. And oh. Bernie? My first roll was a 21, and my second roll was an 11. You know what? This all totally makes sense. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. Jonathan, you've heard of Potions and Pride. It is a standard in the uh, in opera circles. It's, it is the Beethoven 9. It is the, um, the Les Mis. It is the... I would tell you what it's actually based on in opera, but then you would know. It is the Pride and Prejudice of Jane Austen novels. It's actually not. It has nothing to do with Jane Austen. It really doesn't. I have been building this up that Mr. Darcy is going to get on stage and be like, Elizabeth, your family is shit. I love you. Please marry me. I'm doing that next time. But no, it is not that. Sadly, it's based on something else. So, So, Jonathan, you are familiar with this academically, but you've never seen it travancore same thing you because this is a i mean not to use a real life equivalent this is western opera and Mm. you are not from the west you are familiar with the but you are familiar academically with it this is a seminal piece of artistic repertoire from a culture that is not yours but you are still because you are a well-read and well-studied individual you've at least heard it you know you recognize this name you recognize the the opera and bernie you recognize the name as one of the ones that your parents wanted to see but it wasn't one that any of you had seen so you're all the three of you are familiar enough with it it is a it's a crowd pleaser it is definitely one that has been around for a while that opera houses pull out it includes a couple of very difficult arias and so it is not easy to pull off and it requires a lot of musical accompaniment it's a larger orchestra than than they would normally hire but that's about all you know 
And Professor Wood kind of, it, she says, well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to spoil anything. They, they will be doing it in common, of course, so everybody should understand. But I, I think you'll really enjoy it. And I'll definitely point out Sebastian when, he, when we see him. And then during the intermission, we'll take a browse around the boxes around here, as I know a couple of the other professors are going to be here. And I'll introduce you all, and you can have a chance to schmooze. And with that, the lights are dim. And you take your seats and the curtain opens as the orchestra tunes and then begins to play. And it is an upbeat tune. It is happy and joyful. And what you see on the stage is a representation of what looks like a city square. Um, the city is never named. It is the Faerun equivalent of a city in Faerun. But you never find out who it is. And two... Uh, figures enter the stage as a chorus is singing about how lovely of a day it's been and how excited everybody is for a, a party that's being held tonight. And the two women that enter the stage, you recognize the the dwarf female. Um, she is playing Nemi. And Nemi is holding hands with this tall half-elf woman playing the role of Adina. The two of them are in are in dresses, but it's very obvious that Nemi is kind of in a simple peasant's dress while Adina is in this gorgeous gown. But both are barefoot. And as they run across the stage and they're, they're, you're listening to the chorus sing about how wonderful of a day it is, the two of them move into a duet with each other about how, how much they've enjoyed spending time together, how they've been friends for forever, how this is a moment that they love to be able to come to the town square and just cavort around despite the fact that the one is a noble woman and the other is uh, a simple peasant that they can share in this activity together and as the chorus fades away and the two of them continue to sing uh, Nemi heads off to one side of the stage and Adina heads off to the other as they split apart for a moment and in classic opera fashion they sing a duet together and where they are not speaking to each other but they're speaking to you the audience and both of them are professing their love for the other but there's this issue that each of them have. Um, Nemi is shy and can't seem to come up with the words and the bravery to move from uh, we're friends to I, I am in love with you. And Adina is proud and and is waiting for Nemi to make the first move and is upset that she she thinks maybe this is just a feeling that she has. And until Nemi makes the first move, she she's a, won't say anything. And they work to a fever pitch, one uh, upset that the other won't speak until the the duet is broken by a third voice. A gentleman walks on in, a human in a smart uniform of the town guard, the armed, the, the army of this town, a sergeant who approaches Adina and is obviously a friend, uh, like a childhood friend. They spend a moment talking about this dance that's happening tonight as Nemi walks on over and the three of them have a, an amicable chat about how excited they are for the party. And Adina waits and waits and waits. And she, as they're, the three of them are doing this trio about enjoying spending time together and then going to the party and Adina turns to the audience and is, why won't she ask me? 
why won't she ask me? And it's obvious she's just waiting for Nemi to finally ask her to this dance. And then in a fit of peak of why, you know, of anger, why will she not do anything? She turns to the sergeant and asks the sergeant to go with her to the party. And oblivious to the inner monologues, the sergeant gladly accepts and says, they would be, it would be wonderful to escort you to the party. And... Uh, the two of them go off and Nemi is distraught. She uh, sings this, uh, the stage goes dark, the people in the back fade away, and she has this longing moment of, I had my chance and now I've lost it. And through this sorrow, a voice rings out from one of the peddlers nearby who calls to her and says, love, ah. Love, you cannot, you cannot rely on the frail mortal heart. What you need is this. And he holds up a potion bottle. And in the, the it's a, this delicate little bottle with purple liquid inside. And Jonathan, you recognize immediately uh, some prestidigitation going on as the, bar, the, the bottle sparkles. Jonathan the Muscular is going to, as this happens, he's going to elbow Carlton. And and he's going to start whispering. So they're using a prestigation, and they're they're making that match. And this is all. This I guess I should stage whisper. They're they're just making it all. That's how they're doing. Ooh, and that's and and Carlton puts a finger to his lips and goes, "Oh, shush, Jonathan, sorry." (laughs) I was waiting for someone was going to shush me as they should, but I'm so happy with Carlton. Yeah, I know. I don't know anything about operas. I know operas are fancy, and I'm going to be fancy, and I'm not gonna, and I'm go- not going to let Jonathan be anything less than fancy. And he is defancifying himself. So for the briefest of moments, the magic of this opera is is totally broken by Jonathan geeking out over the prestidigitation. <laughs> uh, but you are. Bernie back- looks over and raises an eyebrow, like fucking really. It's a hand <laughs> Like <laughs> <laughs> he just loves magic being used in like. And, and he also he almost says, but I just love magic. Oh, sorry, sorry. We return to the opera. Um, the the peddler is trying to convince Nemi to buy a love potion, and this is going to solve everything. You buy this potion, and for what when you drink this potion, and you're going to say three magic words to the person you want to fall in love with you, and that person will. And Nemi is unsure both because of the connotations of a love potion but also because it's going to cost her every coin that she has to buy this thing and the peddler offers at a greatly reduced rate a a tiny little vial to try essentially he says that it is a test run that it'll only work for an hour and that you know when she drinks it for the next hour everybody around her will be enamored with her and that it's proof that she can do this and it's only going to cost her a couple of silver and it'll prove that he really has a love potion and then she'll run back to him she spends the money and takes the potion runs off to the dance and we switch scenes to the dance where nemi has downed this drink and it is both from her song and from her actions obvious that uh this potion is not a potion at all it's just the strongest tequila on the planet and she is now <laughs> I, I was very gonna say drunk. potion for a potion fireball shot yeah she is incredibly intoxicated this moonshine oh. hasn't taken much however as is 
cliche in the world of both opera and cinema, drunk people immediately assume that everybody thinks that they're fabulous. And so as she stumbles through the party, the people who are reacting to her the it's a dance number and when they come within about five feet of her the annoyance falls away and we see what she sees which is people smiling and laughing and being uh, enamored with whatever she says and does whereas as soon as they're out of her ear or eye shot they immediately turn to each other like what is going on with this with this woman i don't understand she twirls her way over to where Adina and the sergeant are sitting and chatting, uh, and they see her and greet her, but she, in the throes of this potion, thinking that it, this is the time, plunks down into Adina's lap and, and tries to be suave and charming. Uh, the shy little peasant girl who is used to being honest and open is now attempting to be a pickup artist and it's going very poorly. <laughs> and Adina and the sergeant are both put off and confused and uh nemi begins to feel the effects going away as she sobers up and she thinks that time has run out that she hasn't gotten here in time and she runs off and as she runs off leaving her two friends behind they look at each other and as the chorus swells to the joyous occasion of this party that everybody has attended to the two of them give each other concerned looks as their friend runs crying off into the wings and the curtain falls and the orchestra plays out as act one has ended I'm Lisa Chen, and I host Behold Her, a monthly podcast that shines a spotlight on women in the world of tabletop games. There are so many women to behold in this amazing hobby, and our experiences as female gamers are as diverse as we are as individuals. Through one-on-one -on -one interviews, audio essays, and panel discussions, all centered around a monthly theme, the guests on Behold Her share their unique stories as players, game masters, designers, artists, organizers, and so much more. Their words are inspiring, uplifting, and informative. Check out Behold Her Podcast wherever podcasts are found or visit beholdherpodcast.com. Hey, I'm James Intracasso, and that creepy music means you're listening to a new ad for DSPN's new Dungeons & Dragons actual play, The Demon Plague. I am the DM for Rudy Basso, Lauren Urban, TK Johnson, and Robert Aducci as they bring their characters through a dark fantasy world. I wrote this adventure with John Four, and now you can listen to us play through this adventure on the podcasting app of your choice, or you can watch us on YouTube or Twitch. You can find out more about the Demon Plague at don'tsplitthepodcastnetwork.com. Professor Wood begins to clap and says, Oh, it's been so long since I've seen this, and it always breaks my heart. But it's so beautiful. Oh, the aria she sings in the second act, it'll make you cry. It absolutely will. But we should, we should take a tour of the other boxes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. When, when they changed, like, everyone's emotions was like, aha. And then, like, just a simple lighting change. And then they were like, it was how they really were. But then it changed back to, like, how she was seeing them. Oh, that was awesome. Jonathan the Mad Muscular is impressed.
I will definitely try to get you in touch with the the lead uh, tech person behind all of the the magical effects that go on. They're they're definitely uh, some of the best in Faerun. But uh, we have a, a short amount of time. Intermission is usually only about fifteen minutes, so uh, I do know that there are a couple of people here. I we probably have time to talk to one of them. So let me let me see who you might be interested in. And she's going to give you the rundown of three different people that you can uh, that you can choose to talk to during the intermission. There, that Jonathan will be fairly familiar with most of these people, but um, you can you can decide who you want. There is Anestis Mist Splitter. She's a human wizard and a professor of illusion uh, at the Neverwinter Academy. You know that she's she's very young, but she's incredibly talented, and uh, she was hired on very quickly just simply because of her drive. There is a Hellwise Elinki Isorda Kalorana, who is a older uh, gnomish wizard. Uh, she's actually the head librarian. She is not as much of a spellcaster herself as much as she is just kind of the the center of the Neverwinter Academy kind of knows everything that's going on. And she knows more than that. She knows things. She knows how to find things. She is the consummate librarian. I can't tell you the answer to that, but I can tell you how to find it. And then she's with a friend of hers from the Academy, Aniel Norowella, who is a half elf divination wizard who Jonathan, you would know is uh, one of the people who would probably know more about the training area outside of town that you're thinking about using. She knows where the three of them are in boxes nearby, and you can pick one of the three during this intermission to talk to. And if you have any other questions about who these people are, I'll tell you as much as Jonathan knows and as much as Professor Wood can say in a few sentences. I am thinking that since this is sort of work and play, uh, I would like to call, go and talk to Aniel Oriella. Norowella. Norowella. Uh, the, the divination wizard? Yes. Okay. Are the rest of you going to follow Jonathan or would you like to do something else? I'll follow Jonathan. Bernie's going to sigh about the constant lack of hot gnomes and just go along. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're going to say that Hezwise isn't a hot gnome? Come on. She's you only 159. So <laughs> She's actually fairly young. Yeah. But it's up sure. to you. Sure. Con Carlton, are you going to join Jonathan and everybody and talk to Andy? Yeah, I'm going to go with the team. Okay. But I'm going to like kind of like shade my face and like dry, dry the tears. Okay. so touching. You this, all. This opera. She brings you on over to a different box and knocks on the door, and there is Annielle. Uh, she is a female half wizard. She is in. She's in. Jonathan, she's in very. A uh, similar garb to you, but much more plain looking, very, very simple, a little bit shorter robes. And you can see that she's wearing incredibly sensible shoes. Nice, but like most people are in heels or in shiny shoes. And and, and that's kind of the thing that's, that sticks out with her. Um, she's got cropped wavy white hair uh, that's framing a, a very dark complexion and a very athletic build. She not quite magimuscular, but this is obviously a wizard who also appreciates physical parts of her job. And she greets you all at the door, uh, greets Professor Wood and says, oh, it's very good to see all of you. Jonathan, I have not seen you in 
forever. Hello, how are you doing? Hey, Professor Noriella. Ah, it's good to see you. Welcome back. Oh, you look wonderful and you come with friends. Oh, are you just here enjoying the opera? Isn't it lovely? Well, Jonathan the Matchmuscular and his teammates are are definitely enjoying the opera, but uh, we're doing a little, little bit of business and pleasure. Ah, this is very, I understand. That, that is good. It's trying to get many things done at once. Well, we only have about 10 minutes. What can I help you with? Well, and we can talk about this more in, in depth uh, later, but I was wondering, would it be possible to maybe slip onto the training grounds? And maybe, and he's gonna kind of turn towards everyone else and go day after tomorrow? Blink, blink. Bernie's sure. gonna smile. Uh-huh, yeah. Trevor Corps is gonna nod almost intrepidly. Is that enough time for to prep what we want to do? Oh, it's day after tomorrow. So it's the 23rd today. You're looking like the 25th? Yeah. Um. So is there anything going on? Any like portal ball tournaments or practice or Anything like that within the next couple of days? There is something finishing there now. We have first-year students who are uh, working on magic missile practice to try to uh, aim. You know how that goes. But oh, that, that takes done. me back. Actually, I know exactly how that goes. Hi, my name's Bernie. Oh, very nice to meet you. Hi. Wonderful to meet you. I'm going to let you in on a secret. <laughs> magic missile. It's wonderful. It's great. I fully understand they need to learn it. Trust me. And she's going to wink and nod her head back towards Jonathan like, oh, that aim. Very important. Uh, what if they just like skipped a day or an evening? It wouldn't be much. I mean, like we could just have them just take the day off. Well, if this was something very important, I mean. Really actually incredibly important. And Jonathan the Magimuscular is actually going to go and he's going to, if the door box to the, uh, if the door to the box wasn't already closed, he's going to close it. Well, so I'll say you haven't entered her box. She's opened the door. She's standing because there are other people in her box that none of you recognize. Oh, okay. So you've been like talking at the door of her box and there are people around because it's intermissions. There's people coming and going. Professor uh, Noriella, come come, come over here for a sec. And we're going to kind of like scoot out of the door into the hallway, just where we're kind of concentrated. And Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to kind of go in and it's like, yeah, like, uh, like Bernie just said, we, it is important. If we could get on the training ground day after tomorrow, you, you're probably already going to find out about this because you find out about everything. But, uh, um, and she stops you there and she says, if it is serious, life threatening. You have uh, uh, go, uh, empire affecting almost. Uh, yeah, you might say so. Um, she's gonna look over at Professor Wood, who's gonna nod. Travancore, I'm sorry. What were you saying? I was just gonna say that, like, when so they say the word empire threatening, I kind of stand at attention a little bit to sort of hint that it has something to do with me, without actually saying it has something to do with me. Okay. Jonathan, go ahead and roll a per- a persuasion check with advantage because of your friends and because of Professor Wood. Like that's like your friends are helping out, but also Professor Wood is standing there like gravely nodding. Well, it was meant to be 
You know oh. what? I am going to use a point of luck on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... Probably. Oh, damn. Oh, all right! Oh, ho, ho. Yes! Drink to that point of luck. That is a natural 20. That's Everybody drink. Of, that kind of makes up for the natural 20 that you lost with the, the disadvantage from before. Um, She'll definitely read the seriousness of your face. She'll see the, the complete demeanor change in all of you. And she'll nod and say, Vel, the easiest thing will be to get you there on the 25th. I can make sure that the the students are off the grounds by by the end of the day tomorrow. That's that should not be a problem. And then you will at least have a a, a day. I believe the next time anybody is scheduled to be there is the twenty sixth. But if you need more time, I will have to find more information. But I don't think I I don't think that will be a problem. This won't take that long we just need to make sure that everyone's out that's that can be hap- that can happen yes he's going to look around again and he's going to whisper like get up like closer than he's ever gotten to this woman and he's going to whisper we're going to kill a yugoloth you watch her very dark skin pale slightly and her eyes widen and you've come in close to to whisper this. She reaches up with with a a hand and takes your shoulder and says, "We will make sure all the students are gone." Far away is a really good place to be. Thank you. Yes, come by um, my office tomorrow so I can get more information and see what I can do to help. But maybe you do not want to tell too many more people and we'll we'll see what we can do and we'll get you out there tomorrow night so that you can do what you need to do i i appreciate that professor and uh like i said you you probably find out anyway so we figured i figured if anyone if there was anyone to talk to first it would be you uh for a variety of reasons i appreciate the thought of bringing this battle somewhere that is going to be away from others are you she pauses for a moment as it's obvious she's about to ask a question. And then she decides against it and says, come by my office tomorrow and I will ask more details. Come by first thing. Yes, ma'am. I mean, uh, thank you, Professor. Like, so as soon as she said the words, come to my office, immediately a chill came down like like a very primal part of Jonathan the Magimuscular's brain just activated and all of a sudden he's a first he's like a third year the first time he blew up the equipment shed on the, on the training grounds and there was a much more stern come to my office tomorrow you do remember Aniel is one of those professors that she's fairly even keeled she's she's not known as someone with a temper or anything but certainly as as one of your professors there there might have been once or twice and where come to my office was a dressing down but in this case there's definitely concern behind and and also she recognizes um and you can all read this pretty easily as she thinks better of asking this question considering what you said you're fighting she thinks better about asking anything out loud is there anything else you want to ask her as she kind of straightens and No, and uh and uh hopefully this meeting will be uh you know, 
we'll we'll all be there and and uh yeah and enjoy the rest of the opera <laughs> yes you see her take a deep breath and while her performance is not quite as good as maybe any of yours or professor woods who are a- a- easily able to fall back into the easy joy of the evening she does her best to smile at all of you and say, it was a pleasure to meet all of you. I am looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, it was great seeing you. It's so good to be back. Enjoy the, the rest of Potions and Pride. I yes, am so, so good. Ex- yes. So good. I should get back to my yes. box. Oh, I think I hear the, the box. Too. Yeah, the, that um, was the flashing oh, of the lights. Oh, the, supposed you hear to that go. chime? Yes, oh, yes. Yes, the bolt, the chime is very okay. I will see you tomorrow. And she nods at all of you and then heads back into her box. Uh, Travancore says a word he had never said before. Toodaloo. <laughs> and he says it like that. Because he's never actually said toodaloo before. Toodaloo. He's only ever heard it said or read it. Toodaloo. Yeah, toodaloo. Toodaloo. And Professor Wood looks at you and says, darling, you should have done that before we actually started the opera. Travancore's eyes kind of light up. And then with a grin, she brings you back to your box. The lights dim again. The orchestra finishes tuning once more. And we'll pause there. And the next time we get together, you'll hear the second half of Potions and Pride. Uh, you'll get another chance to talk to one other person uh, as everybody's leaving the opera. And we'll see how what happens next as you prepare to fight a Yugoloth after the opera. But first, let me give you some experience. Four, four amazing descriptions of outfits everybody was wearing to the opera. Each of those brought me joy, and I kind of want to wear them all. Uh, and I wish, as a fel- as a performer, I could wear them all. I am excited for all the fan art of us in our opera gear. I, or the please, Luke oh, McKay please, please. Or the Luke McKay night to the opera. Oh, be Again, J-A-W-N J- is how you spell John. J-A-W-N. I love you all so much, and I'm so happy that I said last game to prepare what you're going to wear, and then, like, Without hesitation, you all were like, here is exactly what I'm wearing. That brought me so much joy. I've been looking at pictures from Madame Grey all over the internet for a very long time. Yeah. Nope, She's that one was, of my favorite designers. That was all gorgeous. I, I'm going to give you experience for, for that. I'm going to give you experience for dropping some hot cash at the opera because we know the ticket prices don't pay for things, but the food does. And um, for... Uh, a natural 20 for a persuasion check during a an intermission at an opera. Uh, I'm going to give you a total of 9,000 experience to split between the four of you. Oh, huzzah. And the next time we get together, it's act two of Potions and Pride. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Christopher Waterston, Linnea Boyev, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.